Howdy. Well, it's good to be able to see people today. Uh, so, uh, yes, even you, Bob. It's, it's okay. I'm glad to see you, too. Here you go. One of the things that I find fascinating whenever uh, listening to anything that Lutheran preachers or churches come up with is that it always seems like they make things harder than they have to make them. It just always seems to be the case. There was a video I was watching, and on the video, they ended up uh, asking the question, would a Lutheran say that we believe in Jesus? Now, I want you to just pause for a moment. What's the answer? Yes. yes. Okay, thank you. Okay, literally this entire video, I'm just sitting there like, why is this so? And they went on to this whole spiel, okay, this whole thing about how, well, it's, it's that God has come to us and revealed himself and that, well, there was a person in a movie one time that was asked if they believe in Jesus, and he said, well, I go to church, and I was baptized, and, and then they're saying, well, yeah, but that wasn't the question, and then the, the, the pastors on this video are like, yeah, but that's kind of sort of the right answer, and it's like, no, no, literally the answer is just yes. It, it does not need to be this difficult. And the reason why I find it so interesting is that oftentimes the person asking the question they're revealing more about themselves than the person answering. The thing is, is that I think in many ways is that there are a lot of times where our own people that are trying to proclaim who God is, sometimes they're struggling in many ways themselves. The thing is, is that we as the Lutheran Church, we actually have one of the smallest percentages of young people out of all the denominations in America. It, we have, uh, and you know, and not to be cruel in any way, shape, or form, but we also have the highest of uh, people 65 and up, uh, just to be completely honest. Uh, so it's, it's, it's great to have you. It's great, I swear, yeah. <laughs> With it, though, is realizing that in many ways it's because the younger generation doesn't know how to connect with us. And when we do things like this, can we blame them? <laughs> and, and, and moments like this where you try to say, what is it that you're trying to get at? And whenever I was looking at the, at the gospel passage that we have, okay, this part in Matthew, and, and as we're looking at this section is to realize that the people who are here, they're not actually asking a real question. They're deliberately trying to trip up the person that they're asking. They're trying to make Jesus get into trouble around them. I, and, you know, in case we're not sure what that might be like, imagine any single political debate you've ever heard in your entire life. If one person is asking another person a question, they're not actually wanting an answer. They're trying to see that whatever the person says is somehow going to make them lose points in people's favor. And the reality is that Jesus knew this. He could, I mean, and I don't even think he needed to be God himself to know this. I mean, come on. You know whenever somebody's trying to trip you up, okay? You know whenever somebody is deliberately gearing a conversation in such a way that they're going to try to get you whatever you say. You see, the thing is, is that whatever Jesus' answer could have been in their eyes, man, it would have led right into what they wanted. If Jesus were to say, yes, it is lawful, it is good to give taxes to Caesar, 
then the Pharisees that would have been there, the ones who have such a big issue with Rome, they would have then been like, see, he's just a government puppet. He's just doing whatever it is that the government wants him to do. He's not a real Jew. And, of course, that's not fair because, let's be honest, as much as there were a lot of things about the Roman government that were not enjoyable, at the same time, they built roads. They had irrigation. You could actually have plumbing. There was a less disease than there would have been previously. In the Roman times, there actually would have been homes and places to live. The taxes, while there were those who were corrupt, in general, they were actually doing good. But then what about the other side? What if Jesus were to say, no, it's not good to give taxes to Caesar? It, it mentions the Herodians. The Herodians were the ones who were Jewish people, but they actually connected in their minds with Herod. Herod was, was like this governor that was over the area where the Jewish community was living. And he was set up by Rome to do so. But you see, some of the Jewish community that called themselves Herodians, if you said anything bad about the Roman government, oh, they would turn you in. And that's the thing is that, man, that would have made their lives as Pharisees a whole lot easier. if They could have just been done with Jesus. But notice what he says. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, give unto God what is God's. Now, in reality, is that this whole situation wasn't even necessary in the first place. Why? Because the question wasn't necessary. Yes, you pay taxes. No, you don't worship Caesar. It is not a difficult question in the first place. Your money goes to Caesar because it's supposed to pay for the things around you. Your heart belongs to God because he's the one who loves you and made you. The thing is, is that what Jesus is saying is actually... Not all that complicated. But what it is is that he's making sure that it's clear that he knows where their heart is. And he has no interest in trying to make any one group happy. But you see, that's the thing about when something is obvious. When something is obvious, we sometimes still struggle with whether or not we're supposed to answer it. I, I, imagine that you're at the top of the, the waiting line for getting onto this new roller coaster. Really scary, really huge. And imagine that you're at the top of that after waiting the whole time, and the person right there about to let you on says, do you really want to get on this ride? Now, obviously, if you've waited the entire time, then probably the answer is going to be, well, yes, yes, I would. Now, the other side of it is, if you don't, do you really need this person to ask you that? No, you're going to walk all the way back, which I may or may not have done that a few times when I was at Disney World. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend. There were a few of those rides. I'm like, I, I know, I'm going to, this, my lunch will be out. It will not be good. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the Gal Guardians of the Galaxy ride did not go on. But there might be other things where we're also pausing and saying, why would this be something that you need to even ask in the first place? But isn't that also true about our faith? See, the thing is, is that in our epistle lesson, Paul 
starts off with this whole description about the Thessalonians and the fact that he doesn't have to worry about whether they did or didn't believe it is so obvious from everything they have said, everything they have done, who they are. No longer were they worrying about whether or not they had demonstrated to God whether or not they were good enough because it had already been done by Jesus. Were they now worried that there was death and nothing else afterwards? No, they were anticipating a resurrection. Were they willing to just leave people in their misery and struggles in life? No, they were willing to get out there and serve and help the people that were around them. Anything and everything about their lives was demonstrating that they truly did believe the gospel that Paul had shared. But you see, they didn't have to come up with this themselves. Why? Because they'd seen all of that already in Paul. Paul and the other teachers in the church had done the exact same thing. They were not afraid of standing in the middle of a marketplace and telling people, this is the truth. This is what has happened. God has given his son. There is life after death. At a time whenever people were playing politics, not only among the Romans, but also among the Jews, these were people that were not willing to pander to one or the other. They were just willing to be truthful about what God had done. And more than that is that they weren't spending their time trying to become the richest or the wealthiest, the, the best in the community. Instead, they were spending their time trying to figure out how do we help everybody else? How do we do what is needed for the people in our community? The Thessalonians didn't have to figure this out for themselves. Why? Because they saw it straight from Paul. And that's what worries me whenever I see videos from other pastors where they're just trying to somehow prove a point and they're trying to make things so difficult. And why? Are they trying to like, convince everybody to stop going to the other churches and come to all the Lutheran churches? Well, hey, that's a foregone conclusion. They're going to go wherever they're going to go. But more than that is, what is the younger generation going to want when all they see from us is that we're just trying to prove that we're better than others? Or even more than that, is that we can't just be so simple and straightforward in what we believe and what we do with it? That they can't just see it and live into it. Why is it not so obvious from us? You see, that's the thing that we end up seeing here, is that when it speaks in Paul's letter and says, we know that God has chosen you because our gospel came to you in word, in power, in spirit, with full conviction. What it is to be following after Christ. You see, the thing is, is that with those people that were out there with Jesus asking him, is it lawful to give taxes to Caesar? That's pretty obvious where their heart was. Where's yours? What is it that you are the most consumed with? Are you consumed with making sure that the family down the street that you know is struggling in different ways knows that there is someone looking out for them? Are you consumed with knowing that when people are spending so much time trying to prove how great that they are, that they know that it's okay to step back. You don't have to live up to every status symbol that the world has given you. 
when those who know that they have messed up in their lives don't know how to forgive themselves, are you consumed with letting them know that they are truly forgiven? Are those the things that consume you? Are those the things that others see consume you? You see, we spend a lot of time wondering, what about our world? What about our community? How is it that we can change our community? How is it that we can be there for our friends? What is it that we're doing for the next generation? How do we make sure that they come to have faith in Christ and want to live it out? What are they seeing in us? And that's a hard place to be in because the hardest person to look at is always ourselves. Every once in a while, I'll uh, kind of pause and, 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 and someone will say, you know, who's your, your favorite artist and everything. And, and there are, you know, like the, the musicians are supposed to list out, you know, it's like, well, yes, obviously I'm a fan of Journey. You know, that, that's clear. Genesis, absolutely, Phil Collins is the man. You know, I, I, I wish he were, you know, in better health because I'd love to go see him in concert, right? Uh, Fleetwood Mac, you've got to throw in there somewhere. And then, you know, off to the side where nobody can ever hear me saying this is that, yes, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Absolutely. I'm sorry, ever since the second album, the first one, I don't know why she, she had teardrops on her guitar, but nobody cared. Sorry, Taylor. But a after that one, from there forward, it was like, oh, my gosh. And it's like, who is this young lady? She has captured my heart. I wi oh, my word, I wish I could see her. But what's the obvious answer to whether or not Pastor Jason has ever gone to see Taylor Swift in concert. What's the obvious answer? No. Because I'm a 43-year-old man who does not have a wife or kids. I have no reason to go except if I were a weirdo. I am not going to go and do that. But the thing is, is that there are a lot of things that should be obvious about Christians that are not. Would a Christian actually laugh in the face of someone who doesn't have a job and say they deserve it? Would a Christian throw someone out because they are struggling with the addiction they've had for decades? Would a Christian ignore someone in need? Would a Christian speak words of hatred and harm because somebody's politics is different from their own? Would a Christian care more about their own comfort than they would about the health and safety of other people? Would a Christian be more concerned about making a point than making the gospel known. And that's the hard part, is that while the answer should be obvious, it's that it's not. And that's where we find ourselves, is that we, we can't change anything out there if we haven't paused to ask what's being changed in here. We can't ask anything about that world until we've paused to say, what is it that God is doing in my life? Are you in the Word? Are you spending time with other believers, not just to hang out and have fun, but to actually encourage them, to speak life into them? The times when you know they're struggling the most, are you, are you spending two or three minutes over donuts? Or are you actually saying, let's go talk, let's go figure out what's going on. And if you need more than just talking, how can I actually help? What is it that we're spending time on? I miss one of the Astros games 
and people are like flabbergasted. Oh my word, you didn't see that game? And it was like, uh, I was literally like cleaning up stuff and putting things away over at Family Point. I'm sorry I didn't catch that one game. I, I'm, I'm still rooting for them, it's okay. We can be so upset when we've missed one thing from something that's fleeting, and yet, when was the last time that we went out <laughs> to a place where people needed us? When was the last time that we were less concerned about what was happening with our stocks or our ski trip to Vail, wherever people go, I don't know, than we were about how many, how many people are actually hungry or hopeless or stuck in something. But you see, that's the thing about the gospel. Is that I'm not saying this because I've never done it. I've been there. I've spent way too long on Contest of Champions on my phone. I've spent way too much time being obsessed with whether or not someone does or doesn't like me. I've been obsessed with whether or not I have managed to get everything looking just right or whether or not enough people came to hang out my house one day. But what I also know is that this world is not hopeless. And that somehow this random flawed person in front of you is still meant to be out there changing the world by starting with me. So a lot of the things that we promote to you, asking you, where is your heart? Where is your mind? Where is your perspective? What is your energy going toward? It's not because I've got nothing better to do. I've got three degrees. I could find something else to do. I'm sure it'd be fine. But rather is because I believe you want the world to be different. And I believe that you are the place for that to start. So when I say that to you, it is the, because the obvious answer is not enough, but in Christ Jesus we can. My question to you is how are you showing the gospel in your life? Not because the answer is yes, I've got it all perfect, or no, I'm not going to do it, but rather is yes, in Christ Jesus I can and will do more. So as we finish up today, that's my question for you. Not one for you to come up to me and to answer at this moment, but rather is because the obvious answer comes from your life. How is it that God is changing you so that you go out to change the world? Thanks be to God.